Hello, my name is Rick Pearson and this is Prophecy USA, a program specifically designed to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. We're having our website bombarded with a multitude of questions from people wondering how did we come up with such a dramatic interpretation of Scripture. Stay tuned, you'll be amazed at how we came to our conclusions in this book, The Holy Bible. Welcome back, folks. I heard a joke once asking, why is there going to be a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ? And the answer to that question is because that's how long it's going to take us prophecy teachers to figure out whose chart was right. You know, the Bible says in the last days that the bride of Christ will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. However, when it came to the Old Testament prophets, many times their testimonies were totally rejected as well as the word that God gave them to tell. But what about today? Does God have prophetic voices in America? Why do some prophecy teachers tell you that America is not in Scripture, and yet that is the whole purpose of Prophecy USA's mandate? You know, obviously somebody's wrong. To answer these questions, it's important for us to review the Scriptures, and especially the testimonies of the prophets who gave these prophetic utterances in the first place. The Bible teaches that these individuals heard God's voice and then went forth and told future events that in some cases have come to pass, but in other cases are happening right now within this generation and right under our noses. Like the 53 descriptions of America's role in Bible prophecy, so are current prophets and teachers interpreting what Old Testament prophets foretold? Or are they just repeating what traditional prophecy teachers have taught them to say? Are they an echo of the past or an authentic voice of the future, burdened with the God's heartfelt cry to His covenant nation, the United States of America? Before we ponder these questions, we need to go back into the past. The four major prophets in Scripture gave their testimony describing how the Lord revealed Himself to them and ordained them to foretell the future of coming world events. Listen to these testimonies of how God revealed Himself in the past to show us what is coming in the future. Listen to this. It's amazing. 400 years after Abraham's death, the offspring of Abraham's children Isaac and Jacob found themselves under the servanthood of slavery in Egypt, fulfilling the exact word the Lord had given to Abraham. It was at this time that God raised up one of Israel's most famous prophets, Moses. After the miraculous exodus from Egypt, it was through Moses that the official inauguration of the prophet's office was showcased at Mount Horeb. It was here that for the first and only time in Scripture, God spoke audibly to two million children of Israel. 
However, due to the people's fearful response of asking God not to speak directly to them lest we die, God officiated the office of prophet for the remainder of humanity. From that time forward, the Lord promised to raise up prophets like unto Moses and to put his words into their mouths so the prophet shall speak to the people all that I shall command him. Matthew 22:14 states, For many are called, but few are chosen. Though many are called in the prophet's world, many times they were reluctantly drafted into the prophetic ministry. These prophets were ordinary people like you and me who had a supernatural experience with an extraordinary God. Peter further explains, Prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Isaiah was a Jewish priest in the 8th century BC. He boldly gave his testimony of being called into the prophetic ministry by an angel who took a live coal from off the altar of God, touched the lips of his mouth, and then, after much reluctance, volunteered to obey God's instructions. Isaiah prophesied the destruction of over 12 nations during his generation. Only one nation remains for destruction, Babylon the Great. 200 years later, another angel was dispatched to a 17-year-old Jewish boy named Jeremiah, who testified, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Jeremiah prophesied the downfall of historical Babylon in 539 BC and the total destruction of latter-day commercial Babylon yet to be fulfilled. 100 years later, while living in historical Babylon, a Jewish priest named Ezekiel gave his testimony of how God called him into the office of prophet. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. Also out of the midst therefore came the likeness of four living creatures. I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet. Moreover he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. However, Ezekiel was not the only prophet who fell upon his face in Babylon. In that same time period, Daniel wrote of the things to come and also testified how he received his vision. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me. Then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep, on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. These are testimonies of the major prophets who foretold in Scripture today's current events. But if God equipped these prophets to speak his word, 
Then, how does he equip people today to interpret his word now? Does he still use angels? Does he still speak audibly? Are we accurately hearing his warnings today foretold by the prophets of yesteryear? Welcome back. You know, these are some amazing testimonies that we just heard. Most believers today believe that these men were authentic and truly heard from God. But would we have believed their testimonies back then, or would we have followed the crowd and helped stone Jeremiah to death while he was living in Egypt? And that stoning took place several years after Babylon had come, destroyed Jerusalem, and fulfilled every word that Jeremiah had previously prophesied and warned the people what was coming. After prophesying the destruction of 12 nations, Isaiah was so hated by his grandson, King Manasseh. Tradition teaches us that while Isaiah was hiding in the trunk of a tree, fleeing for his life, Manasseh had his men cut the tree down and literally cut Isaiah in half. One woman commented on our podcast that she had some people in her church that claimed to be prophets, but did some strange and unusual things. And our comment back to her was that sometimes God called Old Testament prophets to do some strange and unusual things as well. But just because you do strange and unusual things does not mean that you're a prophet. Sometimes it might mean that you're just strange and unusual. However, we must be careful in discerning God's voice through others. I heard one man say that God spoke through Balaam's donkey in order to get Balaam's attention. But today, he might speak through someone that you think is a donkey just to see if you're listening. God is no respecter of persons. He will use whoever he wants to use. So why does God use dysfunctional people? Because he has no other choice. We are all dysfunctional to a certain extent. And some dysfunctions are just a little more obvious than others, but the, the fact still remains, God uses people to fulfill his purpose on planet Earth. Jesus warned us, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account for in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, but by thy words thou shalt also be condemned. You'll not be judged by any word that comes out of the mouth of anybody else but you will be judged by what comes out of your mouth. So be careful not to judge others, but the Bible does teach us to test the spirits. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Two weeks ago, we gave you the seven-step process in how to test prophecy and those who say, thus saith the Lord. A true prophetic word or teaching has seven specific steps. Number one, it always points to God. Number two, that word always points to Jesus. It always bears witness with the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that word always is confirmed by Scripture. It always brings you back into covenant relationship with God, and it always comes to pass. The seventh step is sometimes that word is confirmed with signs and wonders, which brings us back to the four major Old Testament prophets, 
These men did some very strange and unusual things, but they completely did it under God's instructions. They were not only directed to give their testimonies in writing, but to perform signs. In other words, they made spectacles of themselves in order to draw people's attention to the word they were delivering. In 750 BC, Isaiah prophesied about a dozen nations that would fall. In one instance, the Lord told him to walk around with only a loincloth on, prophesying the fall of Egypt and Ethiopia to Assyria. In 606 BC, Jeremiah walked with a yoke around his neck, prophesying through enactment prophecy the fall of Judah to Babylon. Today, we would call that an illustrated sermon. In Ezekiel 5, 1, it says, And thou, son of man, take thee a sharp knife, take thee a barber's razor, and cause it to pass upon thine head and upon thy beard. Then take the balances to weigh and divide the hair. You know, Moses was told to bring a shepherd's staff as a point of contact to release his faith against the Egyptians. God used the most despised occupation in the Egyptian world, shepherding sheep, in order to pull down and destroy every god that they worshipped. Now, whenever these men prophesied, they always had people coming against the word that they were giving. And today, we at Prophecy USA are giving a teaching about America that opposes traditional teaching. Some say the Antichrist is going to build a city called Babylon and then turn around and destroy that city. Others claim that Rome is Babylon and she will be destroyed at the end or the middle of the tribulation. Others say America is just nowhere to be found in scripture. Now these theories have all been debunked in the 53 descriptions that we've outlined in multiple scriptures. But how did we come up with this teaching? What theological seminary taught it to us? When we get back, I want to share with you some of my testimony and allow you to test my spirit with the Holy Spirit inside of you. The spirit of truth never brings confusion, but many times it does oppose the traditions of man. So stay tuned, you'll want to hear this. Prophecy USA is proud to present their latest book, The Hour That Changes Everything, together with our study guide and free app. Prepare yourself for one of the greatest events in Bible prophecy. Go to prophecyusa.org or call the number on your screen now to make your donation of $35 or more and receive your copy of the book, The Hour That Changes Everything. We are waiting to hear from you. Call today. Welcome back. You know, we just discussed some of the amazing testimonies of four major prophets in the Old Testament. And although they were rejected during the time of their prophesying, they are considered major voices to the prophetic world today. And some of their prophecies have come to pass while others are waiting for their appointed time to be fulfilled, especially those concerning the latter-day Mystery Babylon the Great for the vision waits for its appointed time to be fulfilled. 
And we've discussed in previous programs the 53 descriptions of Babylon, all pointing to the United States of America. But how exactly did we come up with these interpretations of Scripture? When Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am? Peter said that thou art the Christ. And Jesus responded, blessed art thou, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, Peter was just an ordinary fisherman. However, he, just like us, had the ability to hear from God, and he knew who Jesus was. Apostle Paul, a tent maker, said, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. God was literally speaking to them. But most importantly, Paul said he received this so that you may understand my knowledge, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man. Both Peter and Paul were given revelation knowledge of who Jesus was. And every person from that generation onward, even to this, has heard Jesus say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Most believers today, in fact, every believer, has experienced the miracle of revelation knowledge. Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice and follow me. Meanwhile, to the to theologians of Jesus' day who rejected Christ, Jesus said that your traditions have made the word of God of none effect. Instead of using the word delivered, four translations say handed down. In other words, these men taught old, traditional hand-me-down speculations that had been around for centuries concerning the Messiah, but they weren't into revelation knowledge. The teachers who taught the Bible couldn't even recognize the author when he was standing right in front of them. They were echoes of the past instead of revealers of the present. They could not see the forest for the trees. Jesus, Paul, Peter, and every disciple had to fight religious tradition in order to get the people to understand the present-day conditions in which they lived. They were carriers of divine substance, revelation knowledge, and they were like the sons of Issachar who had an understanding of their times. But you don't need a prophet today to hear God's voice. God will speak directly to you through His written word. That's His promise. Yet God still raises up prophetic voices to direct you to the written word so He can personally show you things to come. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, all truth and He will show you things to come. Now we've learned how these men received the spoken word of God. But if God gave them these unusual testimonies to write the Word of God, then and there, would it not make sense that God would give someone the same experience or testimony to interpret the Word of God here and now? And if their warnings were rejected then and there, does it not make sense that our warnings would, would be rejected here and now? The answer is yes for the majority of people in our society. But according to Jesus, not for believers. 
For he who hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. You know, on previous programs, I've shared my testimony, how when I was 18 years old, I was praying with a cousin of mine in an apartment and made a vow to God that if he showed me he was real, I would give him my life to do whatever he wanted me to do. Upon releasing that vow, the door of the apartment blew open and a wind came into the room and circled us like a whirlwind. I looked at my cousin, he looked at me, and both of us buried our faces into the carpet. And as I confessed my sins, my words slurred, and suddenly I started speaking in another language. Now, speaking this new language went on for about 10 minutes, when finally I put my hand up, and I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but please stop the wind. I can't handle any more of this. I'm yours. Immediately, the wind went out the door, and the door shut behind it. Several days later, I was shown in the Bible the second chapter of the book of Acts, how when the day of Pentecost was come, they were gathered together with one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and they began to speak in over 15 different dialects the wonders of God. You know, out of the 2.1 billion professed Christians in the world today, over 600 million claim to have had the same upper room experience as the disciples. And according to Harper's Bible Dictionary, in the Old Testament, whirlwinds and storms usually accompany the theophany, such as God's appearance to Job, to Ezekiel, to Nahum, to Zechariah, and of course to Elijah, who went up to heaven in a whirlwind, as evidenced by Elisha. Now, in 650 B.C., God told Jeremiah, For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord, and hath perceived and heard his word? Who hath marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind, and it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. In the latter days ye shall consider it perfectly. Fourteen years later, at the age of 32, I received another theophany, but this time it mirrored the same testimonies as the four major prophets who we just discussed earlier. These were the prophets then and there who wrote the scriptures describing Latter-day Mystery Babylon here and now. It began in 1986 after I gave a large donation towards a medical missions project. After that giving, I had an experience similar to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. An Italian Gentile who gave alms to help the Jewish people in Caesarea and an angel one night appeared to him and told him, Thy alms have come up for a memorial before me. The next day, Peter led Cornelius to Christ and baptized him into the kingdom. Cornelius was the first Gentile to come into the kingdom. In my case, after I gave my alms to help people in a third world country, I began receiving sentences in my head like the words to a song that just would not go away. For the next seven days, I was like Daniel, who testified that he was grieved in his spirit and the visions of my head troubled me. On the seventh night of the seventh day of that grieving, however, an audible voice woke me up in the middle of the night and called me by name 
exactly as Samuel testified in his calling. After hearing my name called several times, I woke up and felt an incredible presence hovering over my bed. The voice asked me, Rick, do you have the rhinestones in your mouth and the jewels in your hands? I had no idea what that meant, and I said no. And at that point, something reached into my mouth and touched me four times in my throat and once in the palm of each of my hands. You, re you may remember that Ezekiel was given a book to eat, Jeremiah was touched on his lips, and Isaiah was given a coal from off the altar that touched him on his lips. Each one of these men wrote the books which we've studied, and each one of their callings was unique, one of a kind, and never repeated. Concerning the last days, Malachi wrote, And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a father spares his own son that serves him. After receiving these touches, I asked the voice, Why are you calling me? And the voice said, Because I love you. And then the voice literally entered my chest and audibly finished the sentence by, staying, by stating, and I want you that have fruit that remaineth. Now Ezekiel testified in 550 BC that when he was called to write the prophecies, that the Spirit entered him as he spoke, just like I experienced. Jesus told his disciples that you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. As I lay in bed, I thought questions, and the voice responded audibly to those questions. I did not say anything, I just thought. I was told of things to come, and certain nations were mentioned to me that are included in the coming Gog-Magog war, as prophesied by Ezekiel. These answers gave me clarity as to the words that had been playing in my mind for that whole week. There's going to be an exodus, a catching away of the church. The exodus will take place in the midst of mass global confusion, and the same spirits that rose during the time of Babylon are rising again. And just as Nebuchadnezzar was spiritually manipulated to cast Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into a fiery furnace, certain individuals on this planet are going to be spiritually manipulated to push some buttons and cast certain sections of this planet into a burning fiery furnace. After the exodus or the rapture takes place, when the dust settles and the smoke clears, from the sea of humanity will rise a one world government. A global census will be taken and a mark will be issued on the right hand and on the forehead of those people remaining. Prophecy USA has been raised up for such a time as this to take you through Scripture and reveal to you what the Bible says is coming. And I would like to emphasize that you should never base your theology on someone else's experience, but test the spirits with God's Word. Remember, you do not need a prophet to hear God's voice. Jesus speaks to His sheep through His written Word and through direct revelation knowledge. So we encourage you today to get our book and our study guide and to read for yourself what Scripture says 
is about to happen in America because it literally, in one hour, everything is about to change. You've been listening to Prophecy USA. My name is Rick Pearson, and I'm wanting to remind you that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is alive, and he's coming back much sooner than many people think. See you next week. Shalom.